I was blinded by my sin, had no ears to hear your voice, did not know your love within, had no taste for heaven's joys. Then your Spirit gave me life, opened up your word to me. Through the gospel of your Son, gave me endless hope and peace. Help me now to live a life that's dependent on your grace. Keep my heart and guard my soul from the evils that I face. You are worthy to be praised with my every thought and deed. Oh, great God of Glorify your name through me. You are worthy to be praised with my every thought and deed. O great God of highest hands, glorify your name through me. would you join me in prayer, please? Father, as we open your word this morning, we ask through your Holy Spirit you'd open our hearts and our minds. Lord, each of us coming from different places, different points in our lives, different needs, but yet we know through your spirit and through your word, you can open up things that will minister to each and every one of us. We ask, Father, that you would move in our lives in such a way as to draw us close to you and close together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As I opened my Bible, I realized that I uh, put a, what should have been a, uh, mentioned earlier, uh, the garden tour that's uh, in the bulletin for the Christian school out in the uh, fellowship room there uh, on the table closest to the window are some uh, brochures if you're interested in more details. Uh, not everybody would need one, but if you have an interest in more details, there are these out there. So just one more plug for that. If you'd open your Bibles this morning to the chapter uh, 5 of Galatians, and uh, be starting at the uh, 16th verse. Paul writing to Galatians says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, 
envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. We've been talking about various aspects of the Holy Spirit over the last few weeks. Kind of a quick review so far. We've talked about the Holy Spirit. First off and foremost, the reality, the Holy Spirit is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father uh, is, is revealed through Christ the Son, omnipresent through his Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is an intricate part of the, 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 the Godhead, uh, the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's a he, not an it. Um, indwelling the believer at the point of conversion. Then as believers in Christ, there's an ongoing move of the Holy Spirit in us to cause us to surrender to him. We would call it the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing process. This is where we get our, by the indwelling of the, of the, of the Holy Spirit and the, and the filling of the Holy Spirit is where we get our power to walk with God, to obey God, to have victory over sin, to grow in wisdom and understanding, to serve God, and to serve each other. And all of this we were especially focusing on last week is in concert with being filled with the Word of God. In other words, they go together. You know, some people, uh, they just uh, you know, get an idea that, well, I'm just going to sit here and, and I'm going to wait until the, the Holy Spirit fills me up. And here sits the Word of God breathed by the Holy Spirit and, and we're not you know, investing in it. So it's a combination of the two things, the Holy Spirit opening our eyes and our understanding as we read the Word of God. And I know I've, I've done this in here before, but I'm not asking for a show of hands. It's a little more rhetorical, but still the idea of how many of you have been reading the Bible for a number of years, and most of you would raise your hand. And, and today versus uh, two years ago versus five years ago versus ten years ago, you, you read the same Scripture and get more out of it. Have you ever had that experience where you've read something or the pastor is preaching something or you're in a Bible study or you're listening even to a, a worship song and you say, wow, I never got that before. What's happening? We're growing with understanding. We're growing in the wisdom of God. Paul says spiritual wisdom and understanding that we might know the will of God. So that idea of, of who the Holy Spirit is before we ever get into speaking about the gifts of the Spirit, we need to understand who the Holy Spirit is and how he works within us. Last week, I finished up with a brief comment uh, saying the ultimate character trait of the indwelling or the filling of the Holy Spirit is love. The love of God, the love of our neighbor, the love of each other within the fellowship of God, with the brothers and sisters, a special relationship that God has put us in. And, and the importance of this can't be you know, 
I don't think can be uh, exhausted in a sense of how often it's shared, how often it's looked at, how often it's spoken about. Paul continually is driving home the idea of love. We talked about it uh, in the reading of the scripture this morning. You know, if I were a, a sounding, you know, if I had all the love and, and, and did all of these different things, excuse me, if I had, did all these different things in the name of God and I have no love, then it's of no purpose. It's of no value. He even uses the picture of sounding gong. And there's various ideas about what that means, but I think the simple meaning is quite obvious. Have you ever heard uh, one of those big gongs made and it goes really loud and vibrates for a second and then just fades away? But when we do things in the love that God has put in us through the Holy Spirit, they last eternally. They're the things that stand, if you will, before the throne of God. So how important is it? Well, it's seen, like I said, all the time in Paul's writing. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, the scriptures we went through uh, quite some time ago, uh, is the, so the source of this love is God's love. It, it, well, Romans 5, 5 says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the Holy Spirit is the source of this love, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who has been given to us is there waiting to, to fill us with the love of God. Paul says, or uh, Jesus says so much, though, that it, like a living water, it will flow out of us. Again, today's opening scripture uh, is, is a, a uh, for, for the service, this, uh, for the preaching this morning, uh, Galatians chapter 5, is like, if you will, a brief outline or a brief picture of this love in action. Again, looking specifically at, at uh, verses 22 and 23. And most of these are, are verses that have been committed to memory for a lot of you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Another familiar passage, again, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13. We read already uh, as... Uh, Brad said it's frequently called the, the, the chapter of love or the love chapter in reference to what, how it works in us. And it gives an overview, if you will, what love is and what it is not. I mean, just a couple of the things I, I always that stick in my mind. Uh, it's, always, it's always the idea of encouraging. Does, I love this part. doesn't keep a list of wrongs. I don't know about you, but I'm really pretty good at that. I can think back of things that have gone on in my lifetime that every now and then still I can sense a, a, a frustration or a, a sense of bitterness or even anger. Even though I have intentionally brought them before the, the, the Lord and when possible within the framework of the, the people involved to work out forgiveness and reconciliation, but it doesn't change the fact that every now and then it comes back kind of bites you and you say, oh, yeah, what if that had been different? Or what if this had happened a different way? If that person hadn't said this or if this hadn't done this and whatever. And God doesn't keep a list of our wrongs. And I, I, I love the pictures, the two real awesome pictures in, this, in the Old Testament. How far away does he cast them? 
as far as the east is from the west. Well, if they're doing it from your side, the east is from. But uh, you know, it's and it's it's the idea of of a, a plane that never comes back into contact with itself. So as far as the east is from the west, into the deepest sea. And I I, I add a little thought there and puts up a no fishing sign. <laughs> you know, uh, he he doesn't he no longer holds it against us in judgment. He's not going to, you know, say, oh, but on, on uh, such and such a date you did this, therefore you're out. Because that, that, you know, he's forgotten it against us in the way of judgment. Yeah, praise the Lord. Other helpful references uh, for uh, looking at uh, this love that God has, has given us, has poured out on us. Uh, you can find in, in, for instance, Colossians chapter 3. Uh, verses 12 through 17. Paul writing to the Colossians says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also should or must? Must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You want to know how these things come into work together? And, and, and it comes through the love of, of God working through us in the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And one other passage that I would look at this morning uh, quickly is, is uh, found in uh, Romans Chapter 12, verse 9. Paul writes, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one Evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. All of these word pictures, if you will, and, and, and ideas of how love moves into action. But before it can move into action, you know, it requires the Holy Spirit. 
before this kind of love can actually come through you and work through you, you, you need to be in a personal relationship with Christ. You need to be saved. You need to have a, uh, the, the Holy Spirit that indwells at the point of conversion. You need to surrender, and, and as, he, as you grow in the Lord and grow in the Word, and the Holy Spirit has more of you, and the idea of filling the, the Holy Spirit, giving you what you need at the time and point that you are in your walk, to increase your spiritual wisdom and understanding. The gifts of the Spirit are used by the Holy Spirit in the church body to accomplish these things. And I want you to understand, therefore, these things cannot be accomplished by being outside of fellowship. The importance of being in fellowship, not just Hebrews chapter 10, verses, you know, that tells us that we are to be in fellowship and, and encourage us to, you know, to be there, but the idea of, of, of being able to interact, to encourage one another, again, with songs and hymns and spiritual songs, words of encouragement, as we all move towards Christ. All of us looking dimly in a mirror, waiting to see face to face. All of us needing encouragement and help to the point where there are days where uh, I know <laughs> you, can, you can see it in my home with me anyway. Uh, there are days of great rejoicing and you know, I'm, I'm in good mood and everything is going well. And there are other days where, well, I'll put it nicely, my wife would call me grumpy. <laughs> and the neat thing about what I've watched over the years is, is, is how Kathy responds. She, when, when I am hot up and, and going and excited, and she gets alongside with that and comes alongside that and, and encourages, and we, we're, we, we're enthusiastic together. But when I'm in, in, in a bad day physically, say, in pain or any of those things, she comes along and consoles. It's, uh, it's, it's that idea of working even in the home. Works with our children and then certainly within the body, the framework of the fellowship of believers. But before we get to the spiritual gifts, there's one more place I wanted to go in reference to looking at the Holy Spirit. And it actually is in Romans chapter 12. And I'm skipping the gifts of the Spirit for a moment and going to verse 9 again, where I've already read. Let love be genuine. Genuine love. Okay, and I was trying to think of all the words I was looking up uh, in, in the various lexicons, dictionaries, just finding the verses that I could and stuff. But, you know, basically genuine love, you could say authentic love. You could say sincere love. Or just simply real love. But one of the things that I found is, that, that is that picture that actually is reflected in, in uh, chapter 5, verse 5 that I already read to you, uh, is coming from the original source. A genuine love is a love that is coming from the original source. The original source being God. God loved us before we loved him. Before the foundation of the world, God loved us. This genuine love originates from the Father and comes to us through the Holy Spirit. 
revealed in Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. Coming from the original source. The word also is, is the idea of, of genuine love is a love without hypocrisy. In fact, the, the word that's used for this idea of genuine literally comes from the, uh, the, the idea of the word hypocrisy, which comes from, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty, I'm not accomplished in, 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 in Greek scholarship, but in reading the, 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 the studies on this, it goes clear back to the idea of Greek actors putting on masks. You know, first I'm the sad face, the happy face, this type of thing. In fact, you even see in, in a lot of uh, the Actors Guild things and different things, you see the sad face and the happy face. That goes clear back to the, to the, to the Greek input of, of plays and, and this type of thing. And an actor was a hypocrite. <laughs> he was being something that he's not. Well, today we're looking at the, the, the idea of here is that we can sometimes put on a mask pretend to be something in relationship to Christ that we aren't from the heart. That would not be a genuine love. So a genuine love is something that it, it comes from the depth of your heart within you, through the Holy Spirit working in you. And it's, it's, it's also something that is, has action to it. It's not just verbal. It's not just something that I say or talk about. In fact, 1 John tells us in 3.18 of 1 John, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. I was thinking from a scriptural point of view, hypocritical versus genuine. And I thought of, of uh, in Luke chapter 18, where you had the, the Pharisee praying and the tax collector praying. And the Pharisee looking over at the tax collector as the tax collector was pouring out his heart to God, forgive me for my sins, you know, the wretched man that I am in a sense implied. And, and the, the Pharisee saying, thank you, God, for not making me like him. Or, you know, I'm, I'm a Pharisee, not a tax collector. I'm not one of those. And, and elevating himself, not expressing any kind of compassion, Lacking in the love. Jesus speaks of, of, of actions that would be reflections of some of the things that we read in some of the verses there about ministering one to another and helping each other. And, and Paul, Jesus says, for instance, in Matthew chapter 6 about uh, sounding the trumpet when you go out to give alms. In other words, drawing attention to yourself. Uh, there was a, a movie that was uh, made a number of years ago, uh, a Christian film called uh, Super Christian. And it was filmed in Southern California at a church. And uh, the, the initial point was that this one kid was putting on the mask. Uh, when the pastor would come to the house, he would change the channel very quickly on the TV and, and put things underneath the couch and whatever and try to you know, put on that, that, that spiritual mask. And in the service, he would sing as loud as he could. And when the, the offering came by, he made sure that people saw, you know, that what he was putting in to the offering. And, you know, that was uh, this, this idea of a mask, uh, hypocrisy of, of, you know, drawing attention to yourself. 
This was a common practice, by the way, in the time of Jesus. Uh, the, many of the scribes, Pharisees, uh, uh, people that were giving, would draw attention to themselves, sound a trumpet to draw the attention of the others, the people, and then passing out the, 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 the alms to the, to the poor people. Jesus also says in, in uh, verse 5 about drawing attention to yourself as you pray. Standing on the street corner, praying, you know, with the idea of drawing attention to yourself. Talks about fasting in verse 16 of Matthew 6. And he says, you know, you, you, he, he was criticizing the idea that you, you, when you're fasting, you put on your fasting face, if you will. You know, kind of a just, you know, uncomfortable, woe is me, I'm, I'm hungry, I'm, 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 you know, and, and drawing attention to yourself. And all of these things, what's happening is we realize we're looking for man's approval. Public praise about what we've accomplished. To feel important. Even to the point where you could say being self-important. Jesus gives quite a warning in Matthew chapter 23. I won't read the, the whole series of what's called the seven woes, but just looking at uh, uh, verses 20, starting with verse 23, Jesus saying to the Pharisees, uh, he's saying, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, which means they tithe the very herbs of their garden, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Do you catch the picture there? You clean up everything on the outside, and it looks good. But what needs, nothing on the inside, and if you were looking at the plate and the cup, all the germs are still in there, okay? For us, we would look at it, we have done nothing to, to, to allow God to move into us. And he, he concludes this thought with, Woe to you, uh, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for, while you are like white, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within uh, are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of, but within you, you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. I thought it was pretty easy. You know, I could sit there and point my finger, yeah, at the Pharisees. And then I was reading something that John... Piper wrote in reference to this. All I can put it this way is John Piper went after me. As a fundamentalist, as an evangelical, if you will, someone who believes in the word of God, I know that I have been guilty of, of pointing my finger at certain groups of people of the world in a rather outward sort of way, the humanists, the secularists, 
the people who are, are uh, involved with uh, the gender issues of homosexuality, evolutionary people, evolutionists, abortionists, uh, and, and liberal Christianity who deny the things. And, and I'm good, man. I, am, I have to tell you. It, and it's easy, and it's not wrong that we confront these things, but it's pretty easy to you know, point your finger. And there's a people that say, what happens when you point your finger? Three back. Notice how pastors preach? <laughs> Have you ever watched us? <laughs> you know, uh, but anyway, uh, the idea is, is that we need to start here first. It's kind of like the plank in the eye. I don't, I've done this before. I don't have anything. I'll just use this. You know, oh, I'll use this. Okay. If I, if I, if I have a plank, and it's, a plank is a bigger piece of wood than this is, as far as the description of what a plank is, and I have it in my eye, and Levi has a splinter in his eye. Do you want me removing your splinter? <laughs> I heard a please don't coming over here. The idea is, is that first remove the plank before you go to, he doesn't say don't help and, and deal with the splinter, but first recognize you've got sin in your life. Are you dealing with it? And this comes down to every aspect of the church we can put a mask on. And one of the areas that we can do that is a facade, if you will, of caring and love when it really doesn't come from the heart. Paul makes it very clear here in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. You know, it's genuine love that puts things together. It's genuine love that works here. This key, if you will, to this love, first is how we pursue God. Calling on the Holy Spirit to, to cause us to to seek the face of God through his word and in prayer. Jesus says very distinctly when he is asked about the commands, the commandments, which one is the greatest, hoping to trap him. And Jesus says, again, what in Matthew 22? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, their mind. He goes on to say that not only in our pursuit of God, but the, the, the love is, it comes into how we pursue our relationships with each other in the sense of neighbors. And neighbor doesn't necessarily mean friend. It can also be your enemy. And then very specifically, Jesus puts it in John chapter 13 within the framework of the church, how we treat one another. People will know you are my followers, that you are coming after me, that you're seeking after me, that you have accepted me. They, people are going to know this by the way you love each other. I don't know about you, but I've actually been in a public place where I've heard someone else talking about their church or their pastor or someone in their church in a, in, in, on a you know, really angry mode. And, you know, I, I, you can watch the people around kind of like, have you ever thought about how important it is to what you say, where you say it, and when you say it? For that matter, they, we're told to put away our angry words if the love of God is working in us.
how we love and pursue God, how we serve each other, and how we minister to one another within the fellowship of believers. Again, just you know, knowing that this comes through the Holy Spirit working in us. I want to make sure that you understand that this, this, this is the process that we discussed months ago in, in chapter 12, uh, verse 2, and, and, and uh, 1 and 2, about the idea of not being conformed to the world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's a growing process. Paul writes to the Philippians in chapter 1 that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Love is a thing that grows in us. We're not perfect at it. We know we're not perfect at it. There would be no need to forgive others as God has forgiven us if we were perfect at it. There'd be no need to pursue someone if we've wronged them and asked forgiveness if we were perfect at it. But within the framework of looking at this, he says this is something we need to grow in. We never reach a point where we are level in the sense of, 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 of love and saying, okay, well, I'm doing pretty good. We should always be seeking the face of God, desiring to grow in love for him, love for our neighbors, love for the body of Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul says it again. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. And, of course, the ultimate picture of love is to see it in Christ. I shared last week in, in reference to uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 5, where Jesus says, very, or where Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The marriage being a, a microcosm, if you will, of the, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ in relationship to Christ, the husband. How did Christ show his love? Sacrificially. Did everything that he could to open the door that we could be saved. Everything that was needed for us to be saved. This love, again, is initiated with God. It doesn't begin with us. It begins with him. In 1 John chapter 4, John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. 
And in the same chapter, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. He loved us so much that he gave himself up for us, emptied himself, became a man to save us. He went to the cross. Let's move into communion. I ask that uh, as the ushers come forward to pass the communion out, that we would uh, hold it until we've all been served. This is an opportunity always to examine your heart. If you're a believer, you're invited to participate in communion together with us. And this picture of, of, of realizing that it's also a time of self-examination. It's a time of thanksgiving, but it's a time of, of self-examination where we look and say, Lord, search me. And be willing to receive what the Holy Spirit opens to us. And I've never, <laughs> to this point, and I know that it will never happen as long as I'm in this body, I've never yet asked the Holy Spirit to search me and not come up with something that was revealed and needing to be confessed and dealt with before the throne of God. But we want to have the love of Christ working in us, a genuine love, a sacrificial love that says, I would give up my rights for someone else to be blessed, someone else to be saved, someone else to be nourished in Christ. Every time we give in the offering, you're taking and giving and making a sacrifice in order to bring about what God wants to do in the kingdom of, of God and through the church. As we minister one to another, we are to have that same attitude. Ask the uh, worship team to come forward. Ask the ushers to come forward, please.
jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane, I am a tree bending beneath the weight of this wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. established before creation that he would purchase our salvation that he would say the words on the cross it is finished and we would know as the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and we rest in his grace that no longer is there any condemnation separating us from God that all the condemnation is as far away as the east is from the west and cast into the deepest sea that we might rest in his grace. People will say, well, then what happens when I sin? Is that, you know, I feel that, that conviction. That's not condemnation, but it is conviction. Conviction and guilt in the sense that I have wronged someone, I've wronged God. In Psalm 51 that uh, Stephanie read, not against you only have I sinned, meaning first and foremost. And in that picture of surrender from the heart. I love God and I know he loves me. God created me a clean heart. Mm. Renew a right spirit is in me. Mm. Communion is a time for that. As well as a time for thanksgiving for what Christ has done and looking forward to his return. At the supper on the night that he was betrayed, he had taken the bread 
And after giving thanks and breaking the bread and giving it to the disciples, he asked them to eat the bread and to do so in remembrance of him. He said, this is my body. Do it in remembrance of me. Taking a cup of wine at the end of the meal, offering it up as a symbol of his blood poured out to purchase the covenant. Literally, his death to purchase the covenant that would bring us grace. He asked us as frequently as we would take this, as often as we would take this, not only we would do it in remembrance of him, but to do it until he comes again, drawing that promise of eternity into the picture of communion and thanksgiving and grace and forgiveness. Let's share the cup together. Father, again, we find ourselves saying thank you. Lord, how often we, we take time to reflect and think the word thank you is inadequate. But we would ask that you would create in us from the depths of our hearts that, that joy that comes from knowing the God of all creation is the author of our salvation, the purchaser of our salvation, the one who has saved us. And not saved us for a moment, but saved us for eternity. To be with you, to be in the new heavens, the new earth with you. Looking ahead to that time when you return, the time where there's no suffering, no pain, no sorrow, no shadow, no sin. But now as we work through this time and place in a fallen world, living in a fallen flesh, we ask for your help. At every turn, Lord, we need your help. We need your help to love you more. to love each other more, and to love a world that needs your grace to see it. So we ask, in the sense that, that Paul directed to the Philippians and the Thessalonians, Lord, cause us to abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment in your love and care for one another and for all. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name.